This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op, offering fuel, food, and drinks on Highway 13. Arcola Co-op, you're at home here. It's also brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. We have today's winner in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest, a farmer from southeast of Regina at Momart. We have an update on hail damage claims in early September when storms swept across a wide swath of the province, with stones from pebble to golf ball in size. Real Agriculture looks at the federal election campaign. A Kipling area small business has a new source of high-grade fuel for small farm engines and motorbikes, and we have a feature interview on that. More details on the University of Saskatchewan Research Chair in Bee Health. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. A farm couple from Momart are today's winners in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest. Boris and Caroline Prosik farm about 5,000 acres east of Momart. Boris's harvest is about 80% complete. Harvest was uh, pretty good for the year. Some of our wheat went as high as 66 bushels per acre. That's spring wheat. And our derm, I believe it was around 40, 37 to 40. Uh, canola is, is well between 35 and 37. And peas, the same thing, about 33, I believe it was, bushels per acre. Uh, we still got 750 acres of flax to do. And, well, we'll probably have to wait another two weeks to get that done. Did you get much rainfall? Yeah, we hope. Rainfall was uh, very limited this uh, summer. Uh, we had that big rain in uh, May, about five to six inches, where it didn't do good, but I guess it did good for the summer. Like, it flooded and uh, rooted the land pretty good. So, And this fall, we got, what, two inches, and that's about our year of rain. Sounds like your yields were pretty good, given such a dry year. Yes, yes, they were. What was your best crop? What would you say was your worst crop this year? I don't know if we could say uh, we had a worst crop. We had one field that didn't do so well of derm, but, I mean, that's just a part of our farming, our harvest. So that's about the only one. What are your thoughts on the grain markets right now, the prices? Well... If they'd only stay for another 20 years like that, would be fine. But I think they're here for a year or so. Because I don't think people can afford that kind of a dollar to be put up on uh, on food. Any specific seeding plans for next spring? Uh, no. Uh, we use a 40-year rotation. And we just keep doing regardless of what's happening to the weather. We still do the same thing. 
Boris and Caroline Prosik of Momart are today's winners in the 620 CKRM Country Cookout Contest. Grain markets are showing upward movement following today's StatsCan report reflecting lower crop production due to drought. StatsCan estimates the wheat crop at 21.7 million tons in Canada, down 38%. Canola will be the smallest crop since 2010. Canola production is estimated at 12.8 million tons, down 34% from last year. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccalo says markets are reflecting price increases. Right when the report came out at 7.30 central time, uh, canola spiked up substantially, actually reaching a high of 900 a ton on the November futures. It's since sold off uh, a decent amount from there, sitting at about $873 a ton. It's still up about $11, $12 a ton here on the day, but you know, again, lowest production level since 2010 expected. Now, one of the main reasons today as well for kind of that initial spike is that analysts were expecting around that 13.6 million tons of production came in at 12.8 from StatsCan. So again, saw that initial increase. On the day today too, soybean oil is positive. Soybeans are down about one cent. So that over, it seems like there was a bit of an over initial reaction there kind of from the report, but nonetheless, it is a still positive outlook. And what about the wheat production down 38%? That's correct. So on the Minneapolis wheat side of things, uh, wheat markets across the board today are positive. Uh, Chicago up 12 cents, Kansas up 13, and then the Minneapolis here up 9 cents. Overall, the decrease in wheat area was largely attributed to to the spring wheat side of things. And that's where, you know, what I'm kind of seeing on the wheat markets, at least today, is possibly a bit of uh, a bottoming here now. We've actually been declining here recently on Minneapolis wheat. Again, some of the conditions kind of improving. But when I kind of look at the, the overall picture nationally, again, like you said, wheat production is down that 38.3% year over year. However, when you still look at the overall global side of things for wheat, it is really I would say a little bit more on the bearish fundamental side there. So overall, maybe on the Canadian side, we're seeing some positivity for spring wheat. Again, technicals are supportive here. So I have been mentioning to clients, it wouldn't surprise me to see maybe a bit of an uptick, you know, into those winter months. In Saskatchewan, StatsCan estimates canola down 47% to 5.8 million tonnes and wheat reaching 9 million tons, down 44%. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca and Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. Hail adjusters are scrambling to deal with a large number of crop damage claims from late August and early September. The president of the Canadian Crop Hail Association, Scott McQueen, says crop damage claims from hail total over 1,500 from widespread storms in late August and earlier this month. August 31st um, and then into September 1st, September 2nd, I, w- I would probably put that number at over 1,500. I think we had just about 1,400 reported for our report, but additional claims kind of trickle in for all the companies and so speaking on behalf of Palliser I know we received you know numerous claims after that uh, 
fell a little bit, little bit after the storm date. So I'm, I'm guessing we're, we're up over uh, 1,500 claims for those three days. So where and what size of hail and extent of damage? Well, we had just about pretty much all sizes of hail. You could imagine from pea to, to golf ball and bigger. You know, we had in, in Saskatchewan, I mean, we had hail in southeast, north central, golf ball size hail in some of those areas. Big storm path from Assiniboia all the way up through Yorkton. Large hail in there, lots of rain, uh, a lot of wind involved in there. You know, we had, it, I think this storm is popular for the media because we had hail and, you know, as we know, a lot in Regina. So usually when uh, when we get hail in some of the major centers, we we tend to, uh, you know, people start to talk about it where, you know, when it's rurally, you know, some of the city people don't hear about it. So we had hail in both Regina and Saskatoon. It's all over. It, it was it was one of the, probably the biggest September, early September storm I, I've been a part of. How extensive was the loss? Well, well into the millions. Um, I'm not sure what the number is going to be, but it, it's it's big, you know, for all companies. And, and we got a lot of standing canola out there. We got a lot of ripe cereals. So it doesn't take much to do lots of damage to those crops. So uh, what that number is, I don't know at this time. I know that uh, we're, we're well into the millions at Palliser, and, and I know that uh, other companies are as well. What, how do you describe this year? The number of claims, payments up significantly, I understand? Yeah, so the number of claims is is probably right around the five-year average, but the the severity of the claims is is probably at uh, it would be well beyond our ten-year average. That's sort of the data that I have throughout the industry, but I, I would guess that it's one of the uh, you know cost per claim is probably close to an all-time high. And you've asked farmers to leave a check strip. I understand. We have. I know that all companies are, are doing their best to get to claims as fast as they can. And so we ask our farmers to be a little bit patient with, with us. You know, each each company is, you know, running around the clock. They have adjusters working weekends. And so we're, we're trying to knock them off as fast as we can. I think that, you know, everybody in the industry is, is we're not at a panic yet, but we're definitely getting pushed to our limits. So, yeah, we just want our farmers to... You know, it is it is frustrating for them to leave check strips, but we're doing the best we can, and we'll we'll get there and you know as as quick as we can to help them out. Scott McQueen is the president of the Canadian Crop Hail Association. This is your RealAgriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at RealAgriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. We're joined right now by the CEO of Abacus Data. It is David Coletto. David, how are you? I'm well, Sean. How are you doing? Pretty good. Well, we're less than a week away. This has uh, been the most interesting of election campaigns. You put out a new poll yesterday, and the headline pretty much tells it all. Conservatives and liberals tied post-debates as liberals open up clear leads in Ontario and Quebec. Um, is, are, are we settling here at this point for a liberal minority? Is that where we're headed? I mean, I think that's the most likely outcome. I think, uh, you know, based on those regional numbers with the Liberals ahead by seven in Ontario, ahead by seven in Quebec, competitive in in BC, you know, it's looking a lot like the 2019 campaign and how that ended with the Liberals, you know, losing the popular vote, but still uh, winning more seats than the Conservatives. But I still think there's a few variables that are hard to read um, and, and we don't really have a firm grasp on. One of them is voter turnout. Um, we know from our polls that conservative 
voters are more motivated, they're more engaged, they're more interested in this election. They're also more likely to say they're going to vote. And and so in an election where I think a lot of people are annoyed by it, maybe not engaged as much, that could be a factor in, in helping the conservatives, you know, get over the liberals. I, I'm not certain yet that it's going to happen, but it's something to watch carefully because you've heard reports of, you know, slow uh, voting during the advance polls this past weekend and yesterday. And, and if that you know, is the case on election day. If you're somebody who's not all that excited to vote and see a long line at your polling station, are you going to sit in it, right? Um, so that's that's one of the big factors. Uh, the, the last, the other one is this, you know, often in these final days of a campaign, we often do see one party kind of take off a little bit and, and one um, sort of move down. And, and I think the big question is whether New Democrat voters in particular stay with the NDP or whether some of them are ultimately convinced to go and vote for the Liberals. So those factors, I think, are at play, but I don't see any path for um, either of the two main parties to win a majority. But I do think there's 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 some likelihood that the Conservatives could still win the most seats. Yeah, Mr. Tool and the Conservatives really, really need the, the NDP to steal some of those left-leaning votes in, in places like you know, Toronto and Montreal and such like that. They do, and it, it's it's critical. And and you know, the NDP polling around twenty one percent is is really helpful at least uh, at this stage. But in twenty nineteen, the NDP got sixteen percent, and that that kind of last minute, I think, switch helped the Liberals just get over, uh, the, you know, the line in, in a number of those ridings in Ontario. And and so we'll see. Um, it, it's not you know, it doesn't always happen that people slip out and and, and switch their support, but of of those supporters, the Democrats are still the most likely to say they could change their mind um, between now and when they actually cast the ballot. What, what about the People's Party? Will they have some sort of impact on on the on the Conservative seat winnings? You have the People's Party at four uh, percent. There is other polls upwards of I, th- I think like nine and ten. Uh, mm-hmm. What's your thoughts mm-hmm. on the role they they'll play in this election next Monday? I think it, it really depends on where that number is. Um, you're right. There's right now some difference of opinion uh, from the polls on where the People's Party is. You know, I think that when you look at who who says they're going to vote uh, for Max Bernie and the People's Party, um, a good chunk of them come from the Conservatives. They voted Conservative last time, uh, but not all of them. And you know, there's there's a large number of former Green supporters. There's it's, it's a really diverse coalition of of people who you know agree. Uh, you know, with Max Bernier's views probably on, on vaccines and restrictions, they're probably looking to make a protest against the status quo. But if I if they're going to hurt anybody, they'll likely hurt the Conservatives more. Um, and so in, in a number, if there's a number of close ridings, if the People's Party is taking an extra 3 or 4% that they might ex- be normally expected to, that could be the difference between... Uh, the conservative candidate winning that riding or not. So that's the other thing I'm watching for is whether or not those People Party supporters who would normally be conservative as they get closer to election day and realize that Justin Trudeau actually can lose this election. And the best way to do that is to vote conservative. Do they return back into the fold? We'll see. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. 
Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Sunny today, wind west 20, gusting to 40, the high 21, the low 8 degrees. Tomorrow, clearing near noon, wind southwest 40, gusting to 60, the high 24, 30% chance of evening showers Wednesday, the low 5 degrees. Thursday, sunny with a high 16, the low 3. Friday, partly cloudy, the high 18, the low 9. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high 22, the low 6. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 20, the low 8. Monday, partly cloudy, the high 20. Normal high for this date, 18, the normal low is 4. The sun rose at 6.33 this morning. It sets at 7.15 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Estevan again for the third day in a row at 22. The cold spot, Key Lake at 11. Once again, Estevan is 22, Saskatoon 20, Swift Current 17, Weyburn is 20, and Yorkton 18. In Regina with sunny skies, it's 20, that's 68 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-northwest, 33. Humidity is 34%, the barometer falling 101.6. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 20. Winds are from the west-northwest at 15. Once again, Regina, sunny and 20, that's 68 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com and brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. A small motor service business in southeast Saskatchewan is offering a new source of high-grade, low-emission fuel for small farm engines. President Jeff LaRose of Kipling says the fuel is sourced from Gulf Oil in Kentucky and is far cleaner than regular gas. He says it is ideal for motorcycles, small farm engines, and chainsaws. The important thing for us that we were looking at as a small engine shop that basically has been in business for, for over 40 years, some of the biggest problems that we had and some of the most costly repairs we were seeing for our customers were in the fuel related. The additions of ethanols and a lot of additives into fuels has caused costly repairs for my agricultural customers, for consumers. Ethanol, even though it does a lot for emissions, is very, very toxic and corrosive when you look at storage of engines in the agricultural and, and even the lawn and garden industry. The fuels that we're going with now are um, a pure part of the fuel. They're still crude oil based, but they're probably the top 2% of the refining column that basically gives us the purest, cleanest, and longest shelf life portions. So we, we end up with a high-grade fuel that's lower emissioned, that basically has a five-plus shelf year life with no stabilization or additives. It's just a win for all the customers when they look at repair and maintenance of engines that they don't tend to spend a lot of time maintaining and are always ready to run. It's ideal for what uses? We use it in all your small uses applications or long-term storage. 
chainsaws, line trimmers, auger engines, all those things that you might use them today and they might sit for three, four, five weeks. I do have customers that use it for automotive applications in storage. If you've got a classic car, the customer that's got that old lineup of John Deere vintage gasoline tractors and stuff like this that he wants to have them and basically have them so he can use them in in future and, and not degrade the systems. But the primary systems are basically auger engines, small engines, water pumps, little generators that sit until the power goes out in rural Saskatchewan and maybe we haven't had a power outage for a year and you don't know if the generator is going to run. If this fuels in it, you never have to worry about the startability or the runability. Now, where do you get this fuel, this much higher performance fuel? There's very, very few refineries that are able and have had the capability to produce what we call is it's an alkylate fuel and it's a refining process. So there's very few refineries in North America that have been able to produce this. We were traditionally sourcing from a European source, but unfortunately due to COVID, it brought out all the positives and negatives about shipping overseas. So we we decided to look for a domestic production. Right now, we've sourced that in Kentucky. And we are blending and packaging in Kentucky right now. And this is where our source of of product is coming from right now. It's more expensive, though. How much more? Well, you know, we're looking at, if you look at it in base costs, a liter and a half of premium fuel or a liter of premium fuel is probably costing a dollar and a half at the pumps, depending where you are in in Canada. I'm probably more up in that eight to nine dollar a liter range. But when you take a look at, my two-cycle stuff is already pre-mixed with the oil already in it at a 50 to 1 ratio, so you get rid of that cost. We don't require any fuel stabilization, so that cost is out of it. And when I take a look at the maintenance and cost repairs of what it's costing to repair carburetors, to fix fuel injection systems, you know what? In the long run, the fuel is still cheaper, even at 8 to $9 a liter if you factor in the cost of maintenance, the additives you have to put into regular gas so that it works for small engines. So, yes, we're more initially cost up front, but the long-term benefits are, are way cheaper. Jeff LaRose is president of Small Motor Service in Kipling. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small-town lumberyard, big on service, ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. Chickpea prices are in the 50 cent a pound range, putting them in the 82 percentile of the last 10 years. Pretty good numbers, but still short of other crops. Colin Young is the manager of Midwest Grain Limited in Moose Jaw. Well, we have to remember that we're dealing with flax that is getting close to $30 a bushel, durum that is $20 or, or more, canola in the $20 neighborhood. These other crops are, you know, in the 95 or better percentile. So chickpea prices are strong, yes. But if there's a need to sell something, to get some cash, the turn is going to be to some of these other crops that are even stronger prices. Chuck Penner is a market analyst with Left Field Commodity Research. He says chickpeas topped 65 cents a pound in 2017, and we are still about 15 cents off that all-time high. When we talk about these prices, these are posted bids. 
uh, we know that actual bids, when a buyer is on the phone with a farmer, uh, the bids are considerably higher yet. So keep in mind, these are the, the posted bids. Uh, but the momentum we see is the direction and the momentum uh, are clearly strongly higher. There aren't signs yet that demand is being rationed by these high prices. Um, but we may start getting to those levels fairly soon. Canadian chickpea production is down this year due to lower yields and acres. We're probably seeing a maximum of about 110, 120,000 ton export program in the next year. My belief is, is that the U.S. will be the most aggressive uh, bidder. In fact, that seems to be happening already. That's what we're seeing in some of the prices on both sides of the border. Cutbacks will be uh, Middle East destinations and uh, likely Pakistan as well too, which Russia can backfill uh, some of that demand there. Pakistan has been the largest buyer of Canadian chickpeas for the past four years. Production is up by 10 to 15 percent in Russia, but not enough to make up for the North American shortfall. About 20 percent of Canadian chickpea production is 9 millimeter, with the remaining 8 millimeter in size. About 50,000 tons of Canadian chickpeas will be used as seed for the 2022 crop. Market update brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years, see Nelson GM today. And Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for Durham fell $18.37 at $6.24.84. Canola rose $17.70 at $8.60.82. Number one red spring wheat fell $139 at 375.97 the rest were unchanged feed barley 334.65 flax 11.3807 lentils 10.6250 oats 362.53 yellow peas $505.19 feed wheat 261.65 on the Minneapolis exchange this morning hard red spring wheat for December rose eight and a half cents at 8.84 and a half cent a bushel the Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. Now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of September 14th. Our last regular sales on September 1st, D1 and D2 cows sold from $0.74 cents to $0.80, cents, with the odd sale up to $0.83. Cents. D3 cows sold from $0.68 cents to $0.74. Cents. Heiferettes sold from $1.10 to $1.20, and good butcher bulls sold from $0.93 cents to $1.03. We had a pre-sorted yearling sale here on Monday. The yearling market is still strong. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $1.89 and sold it to $2.07. 650 to 700-pound steers averaged $1.90 and sold it to $2.12. 700 to 800-pound steers averaged $1.92 and sold it to $2.12. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $1.90 and sold it to $2.03. And steers over 900 pounds averaged $1.62 and sold it to $1.92. Depending on weight, heifers were 10 to 20 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a group of 700 pound red steers at $2.12 a pound, a group of 800 pound red steers at $2.01 a pound. A group of 890-pound exotic steers at $1.92 a pound, 
and a group of 1,000-pound exotic steers at $1.71 a pound. We also had reputation Angus steers from the Taylor Ranch, 885-pound steers at $1.92. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange, the market that gets the cattle and the prices too. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. Ham sold 7,900 hogs Monday, selling in a range of 216 to 230 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,400 head, selling in a range of 215 to 228 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 71 to 78 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is down, and forward contract prices open mixed this morning. On Monday, the Canadian dollar is down 19 basis points, with the daily exchange rate at 1.2662. The Canadian dollar is currently traded at 79.05 cents U.S. Daily U.S. cash prices are maintaining the downward trend with a negotiated Western Corn Belt, $1.82 U.S. 100 weight lower, and both national variants down 69 cents relative to the previous day. While the trend is decisively lower for now, in recent years, cash markets do find some traction around this time of year. On average, support typically develops around the last week in September. Individual years vary greatly, however, Last year, the market saw week-over-week gains from July until the end of October, while support didn't develop in 2016 until December. Unsurprisingly, strength in the net value of the cutout typically develops ahead of cash by about two weeks, simply because the net value of the cutout is a proxy indicator of real-time demand for U.S. pork from all channels. As such, the value of the cutout will be closely watched for clues on direction in the cash market. For now, the trend in the weekly net carcass value also remains lower, as it has been since the beginning of August. Coming up, the Resource Report. The Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team, fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. And brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. The Saskatchewan Ministry of Environment is again asking hunters to submit the heads of deer, moose and elk harvested this season for testing for chronic wasting disease. Officials say the testing is easy and free in all wildlife zones. Environment Minister Warren Kading says hunters play a key role in detection and surveillance of chronic wasting disease in deer, moose and elk. Last year almost 3,000 heads were submitted for testing and is critical for the success of the surveillance program. Chronic wasting disease is an infectious central nervous system disease and is fatal to the infected animal. There's no known cure and the currently found in 56 of Saskatchewan's 83 wildlife zones. Animals harvested in zones 2W, 9, 10, 35 and 37 are of particular interest as ministry biologists would like more information about the prevalence and spread of the disease in these zones. Zones 50 and 55 are also of interest. Last year, Testing found CWD in five moose, so moose hunters are also encouraged to submit moose for testing. Prior to dropping off heads, hunters must obtain a CWD tracking number from the cwdsask.ca website. Hunters are advised to refrain from eating meat that is tested positive, even though there are no known cases of CWD in humans. On the markets, the TSX is down 36 points at 20,629. The Dow has fallen 219 points at 34,650. Oil is down 23 cents at $70.22 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 12 one-hundredths of a cent at 78.95 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. 
brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.